Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? I'm so excited for this chat. Welcome to Think Like a Penguin with myself, Olivia, and my amazing friend Chandel. We are currently sat in her beautiful house. It is 35 degrees outside, hence the might you might hear the, the whoosh of the fan, but tough, tough shit. We're, we're not gonna sweat our balls off doing this podcast. So apologies for the sound quality, but this conversation is worth listening into. I already know it's gonna be a good one because we're talking all about mental health. We're talking about Chandel, the legend that is sat in front of me and why she does the work she does a little bit about her life. I don't think I've really delved deep into who you are and, and what you're all about. So I'm really excited to find out more about you and specifically leadership in the mental health space because I think people that are accomplished around mental health awareness, emotional intelligence, often can maybe be a little bit presumptuous about other people's journey and not maybe respectful in passing on the tools mm-hmm. based on where other people are at. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully we'll cover all of that, but first of all, don't be nervous. I'm Just, so nervous. No, don't be nervous. Because I don't know who of our friends is listening. That's the... Everyone is listening. Hi, everyone. This Hi, is so guys. Exciting. Welcome, welcome. Share, 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 share. Um, please introduce yourself. So, who are you, Shandell Oliver? Well, you just introduced me, Shandell Oliver. I guess our relationship, Liv, is that we've played lacrosse together for 10 years now you've been in this country. Yeah. Um, and I met you when you first got here, and we've been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of my lacrosse coaching and playing, I work for the West Australian Association for Mental Health, which is the peak body for mental health in Western Australia. So I guess that's where a lot of my knowledge and expertise in this space comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, we'll jump straight in, yeah, what right. <laughs> has led you to get to that point of this um, in your career? Because I see you as a jack of so many trades and you've got... When I, we were just talking before we press record about events and I see you as someone who's incredible with events and organising people and bringing joy to people's lives, but what made you essentially end up where you are from, let's say, school onwards? Okay, that's a really big question. So um, I don't know if many people know, but I, um, I have shared this story a couple of times publicly. Um, I've talked about it openly with this person and we've done this presentation a few times, but my, I call her my foster sister, Chelsea, is, um, came to live with my family when we were 17 after um, she was unable to live with her own family anymore after enduring some years of um, child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, living with her and learning about her journey definitely gave me some inspiration to want to help other people. And, you know, if you can change one person's life, then it's totally worth having tough conversations and being that supportive friend. So, um, yeah, it came from having Chelsea around and, and you know I never really knew what I wanted to do and I think we all start out our careers like I'm going to do this I'm going to be that and I'm sure like you were the same when you were studying like wh- where do you want to go and what do you, where do you want to end up and yeah. you never saw yourself ending up where you actually are yeah but you're in a space that you want to be can I just ask about Chelsea were your parents fostering children at that age or was it just a connection a family connection or uh, just... school connection okay yeah um but our family is really big on taking in other people's kids and caring for them so when I was three, we had a girl called Rachel, um, which is my dad's cousin, sort of lived with us for a few months. Yeah. My parents cared for her. I don't really know the background as to how and why. 
yeah. that, that happened. Um, and then we'd always have these Americans come and stay with us from the US for lacrosse. And then I've got, you know, seven or eight foster cousins as well throughout my mum's side of the family. So it's, you know, we're just a really inclusive family. There's Mum's got three brothers and three sisters. So yeah. when you've got a family that big, what's one or two more? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Fantastic. And so, yes, you're saying after school you didn't really have a plan. Did no. you go to uni? Did you do a take course, no. diploma, nothing All like that? All my education and professional training has been paid for and supported by my employers. So I've just got really lucky that, or maybe not lucky, maybe I've worked hard and showed that I've got skills yep. that I can give some credit to and, and expand on and grow and develop. So I've been, you know, I'm really, employ- um, I guess, in debt uh, to my previous employers but um, they put me through marketing training and courses and education and then from there opportunities to run events and do events and and that kind of took me to working for the Salvation Army for five years, um, which really was my first kind of step in the mental health space and that was across homelessness, domestic violence, um, youth at risk, um, drug and alcohol rehabilitation, those kind of topics. So... Yeah, it started, I guess, when I was around, when I went to that job when I was 23, and I've just grown into that area yeah. from there. I think it's lovely that you touch on how, well, personally, for me, the expectation was to come out of school, go to either a TAFE or do a diploma or university, and then you get a career, and then it's kind of a stepping stone of normality into an adult existence where mm-hmm. you're an employee for a company or something. Personally, I never did that. I actually... So I went to university, but it was really because, and I've mentioned this before, I fancied the rugby coach and I wanted to play (laughs) rugby. And actually, there was no intention of me doing an art degree two weeks before I switched. But then working and traveling. So this is off on a tangent slightly, but I have done a huge amount of travel. I've been to every continent on the planet, and I, except for Antarctica, and I have traveled the world, and people often can't believe it, but it's because I work whilst traveling and I guess when people when you were younger people invested in you because they saw potential in you and that's a wonderful trait to have is someone you just knew you could be molded and and educated in a way that was going to fit them and fit their company so not lucky that you obviously had a gift that people could see a value in you as a person and thought great we can just teach you the bare basics and then you'll fill in the gaps and Mm. then be the amazing person that you are in your yeah, world. Yeah, I think about that though, like, you know, we all, people go to uni and stuff, but I think we learn so much in life experience. Like, yes. I'm sure you're exactly the same. Yeah. Like, we can go to as many courses as we want, but practically delivering skills, yeah. um, particularly around the space of mental health, yeah. it doesn't start by going and reading a book. It starts by going out and talking to people. Absolutely. That's what I found anyway. I don't want to downplay the importance of going to... No, me neither. No, education is so important. But... Uh, life I, skills also. Life skills. For, I'm biased because I think I've gotten to where I am due to my life skills. But I, I teach at Aquinas once a week and work with year 11 and 12 boys. So they're all kind of that awkward man into, boy into man age, kind of figuring out what they want to do. And a lot of the stress and what I talk about with them is how to deal with further education, getting a job, making money, making their parents proud. And although I try and equip them with resilience to do that, I also say, it's not the end of the world. You can actually get very far without going so many of the billionaires of the world, if making money is your target, have got there because mm. they've left school early and they found a way to hustle or they've got dyslexia and they really sh- can't yeah, do it. Richard Branson, hey? Richard Branson. So, I mean, there's so many. I'm also dyslexic, so I can't remember their names to riddle them off. But I just know that 
if you're listening to this and you are struggling, even if you're older and you've been to university and you feel a bit like stuck, throw yourself into an experience mm. because that is going to teach you so much more. It's going to be invaluable. It doesn't have to be a negative experience. We'll obviously talk about that, how experiencing negative things and hard emotions has shaped both of our lives. But I think just get out there, book a flight to Africa and volunteer yeah. or volunteer at a mechanic or wherever because as you say you've gotten to where you are through just jumping in being um, offered these opportunities to learn and then you just learn as you've gone yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's a it. fantastic approach to life yeah so you were at Salvation Army how did you end up moving on to did you go straight then into um, Wham or have you had lots no. of leapfrogs along the way no there's been a few changes okay so from Salvos I did five years working for them as corporate marketing and then left I was like nope I'm having a gap year at 29 years old quit yeah. my job and went to Europe and chased that life experience that we just spoke did about did you? yeah yeah it was during oh I think you might have been here I'm not sure if you were here by then or not. you would have been you would have totally been it wasn't that long ago I don't know I was a bit of a lost soul when I first arrived I don't remember much from my um and then I came back and did a couple of years with camp quality then St John Ambulance, so I was lucky enough to do ride-alongs in ambulances as well as work on a big community project there. So what does that entail, ride-alongs St John? So like, you're in, you get, so particularly when I was at Country Ambulance, I was allowed to go in the ambulance to a job as an observer. So if there was a job on that I was comfortable to attend, so if yeah. we knew that it was a domestic violence or if we knew that it was a car accident, I could say yes or no, I, I'm okay to attend that job and basically sit in the ambulance and go with them and see how they operated that job. And what was your role for St John's Ambulance as a, as a job? Um, I can't remember the title. It was a community engagement role. Um, so you wouldn't intervene in the moment. So say domestic violence, you rock up and there's a lot of beef and tension in the air. You wouldn't in instantly like, no, triage and go, sorry guys, can I just have a friendly word? No. Let's pop the kettle on and no, no, the no. situation. Absolutely, I would no. stand back. Unless... You know, we were the first on the scene and then they would say, have you got first aid training? You need to hold this here or do that. Yep. But very, 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 very extremely rare. Yep. But I think that taught me a lot about bedside manner too and how to like work with situations that were escalated. So going to one job we went to in Geraldton was a domestic violence job and seeing how that played out and how the police managed that situation as well as us getting that person into the van and getting them off to the hospital. Yeah. Um, it's people skills like yes well that literally hits on what I was going to say is that you are I would say hands down the best at people skills of anyone I can think of you just are such a people person Holy. you make everyone feel really welcome heard seen understood if you were to and we've I've mentioned this before and we have in a team but if you were to put our sports team and this is just one little pocket of your life but Wembley Lacrosse Club if we were to put us all on paper and see that there's a doctor and there's a lawyer and there's an, an, an artist, whatever. And then there's a physio, physio students. Yes. Yeah. But in terms of our personalities, you think, oh, they're a funny mix. They mm -hmm. wouldn't really bond. But I would say you are one of the social glues to our club, but then you're the social glue to your social network and to your work network. I'm just thinking back to Mini Shindell. Take me back to kind of primary school or even secondary school. Were you always a people person? Were you always yeah. putting yourself in the centre, trying to make people feel good or make people laugh? Or what yeah. was your... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, in high school, I was definitely the one that was always... Our house, um, like I said, my house was always really welcoming. Yep. My parents wouldn't invite anyone in and we'd always have sleepovers every weekend, whether it be lacrosse friends, school friends, 
my brother's friends, there was always people in our house. Even when we got old enough to start going out nightclubbing and the nightclub was down the road, my parents would always say, come back and sleep at our house, even if it's on the couch on the floor, yeah. because it's so important that you get home safe and we can take care of you. So, you know, that was always a ticket into having friends because they always wanted to stay over and yeah. pay for taxis. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, social is such an important thing to me. I guess it's an extroverted personality. Yes. Um, being around people gives me energy. Yes. But also downtime is important for me too. So. I don't think I've ever asked an extrovert many questions about, because I'm 100% an introvert. Yeah, well, I'm very confident. I can put myself in front of people and and present and talk and but I am absolutely exhausted even after half a day working at a school or if I go into a business and I'm doing an art therapy team building session I am two three hours of being around more than 10 people I'm utterly exhausted and I need time on my own yeah. and I've seen that like on our Singapore trip you know and stuff like that oh, so yeah. the team's all getting dressed to go out for dinner and you're like I'm just gonna go ride a scooter for an hour yeah. That was a highlight. It's been a, it's been a tricky. Um, maybe I can get some tips from you because I found it really challenging in that how other people interpretate my um, introversion. Because I don't know if that's a word, but my need for my own time can come across as rude or can come across as unfriendly, or that people think, oh, we're not good enough for her. Or there's been in the past people have said I'm quite arrogant or unfriendly, and it's honestly because I need to recoup my energy on my own and yeah. it's quite hard to understand that especially as a teenager or kind of your early 20s it's quite an unusual approach to actively take yourself away so I'm um, not obvious but I'm going on holiday by myself for 10 days and I cannot wait and you um, a couple of people are like wait what how does that work like on your own on your own like, are you meeting people there are you, are you doing anything are you joining a group I'm like no, no, just on my own. Yeah. Until the last night. Until the last night where we're going to catch, catch up, up and have a party and that'll exhaust me, but that'll be great. <laughs> so as an extrovert, do you feel any certain, this might be a bit of a loaded question, but fear being on your own or uncomfort or anxiety? or just... I used to hate it. Yeah. Okay. I used to hate my own company and my own time. Yeah. And I don't know why. I guess it gave me time to think. I don't know. But then... When I moved into, so we're sitting, like you said, we're sitting in my house right now. Moving into this house, living by myself and finding my own space has been so good for my mental health. Right, okay. Um, I think it's because, you know, an extrovert person is always on. Yeah. They're always around people. Um, and being able to have some time to reflect and just your own space, I've never realised how much I needed it and how much I value it. And probably throwing yourself in the deep end by living alone, you've learned coping strategies, resilience and yeah. trust that actually being alone can be good because yeah. I'm sure like so many things, like if you ask me, which I've done in the past to live in a shared house, oh my gosh, no, no, no. Like it, to me that's so anxious provoking because it's noise, it's energy, there's people and so I love living on my own. Um, but it's only when I started to actually, I didn't have really a choice because I had no money, but I started to live in shared houses, I was like, actually, it's not the worst case. Yeah. Like, as long as I can find the balance. Yeah, find your time for you. Be able to close your door yeah. and have your own time. And I just never knew it was a thing for me until I moved into this house. Yeah. So, Do yeah. you find that you're having less and less time with other people? Or are you still definitely 
make time for a lot of interactions. With Absolutely. So, you know, with COVID, everyone, um, you know, everyone had to work from home and I was dying to get back to the office. Yeah. I need people. I was like, I need to be around people. I need to focus. I need to get up. I need to get dressed. I need to put my professional hat on yeah. to be the person that I need to be in this job because yeah. I don't think I'm giving my best self working from home. I think I'm giving my best self when I'm turning up yeah. and turning up being Chanel, you know, with the dress and the hair and the shoes yeah. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the those whole package. things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, yeah. I think if we tie it to leadership, and I know we've kind of jumped straight there, but something we want to talk about is if you are a leader or if you're an employer or you know, a boss, it's so important to recognise people's different needs mm. around working yeah. conditions, living conditions. So I'm dyslexic, which makes concentrating on what would be quite a simple task, like reading something or writing something down, any noise, any little minor distraction adds to the, the difficulty of yeah. that. Then I've also got the energy, so I can physically feel, I'm very empathic, I can feel everyone's energy around me. If someone's having... A shitty day or someone's sad or even if someone's super happy or someone's hungover or whatever I feel that I feel it in my gut like I can feel people's vibe that would off put me so it's it's I guess really important one tiny element but super important is do we put Sally over by the fridge where she's a bit less away from everyone you know or do we put Chandel front and center so she can kind of be kind of a magnet for energy in the office. Yeah. Like, even how you place people, yeah, do we so put someone important. by the door because they can totally carry on working even with people coming in and out, in and out. I often think that at doctor's surgeries, yeah. when I've been in, I'm like, how how on earth do the receptionist cope? Because all I hear is a ding, 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 or the, the bell oh, of the door yeah. or the... But some people just, it's fine, isn't yeah. it? I think... Um, for me, like I've we the place where we sit in my office at work, we call Sideshare Alley, and that's because it's where the you know all the magic happens. So like yeah. we're in there, we're talking, we're chatting, and the more of the introverted people sit on the outside, and the more of the extroverted yeah. people who want to chat and have a conversation sit on the inside. I suspect most offices are constructed in that way by accident. Yeah. You know, I don't think many people go in and say, "Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert?" Do yeah. you like to be that, or do you like to? It just sort of, you just find yeah. your place. Probably like at school as well. Like but those workplaces are getting better. Right? I don't know if you've been to Bank West Building, which they they moved into a couple of years ago, and their yeah, whole. But I do have an account with my business account. Yeah. With actually, well, their whole business set up, so they don't have. No one has a desk, but everyone has a hot desk. And if you move into the middle, the more you move into the middle of the building, it's like chitter chat zone and the more you sit on the outside is the quiet space mm -hmm. so clever yeah you know for people like if people need energy to be in the middle if people need to be quiet or need some focused time to be on the outside like it's so really funny. great model hot desks are hilarious in my old employer uh it was just open plan hot desks and you could see people i was very observant so i was a wellness my role was wellness specialist so i was trying to keep the employees well and keep everyone happy and functioning and i could sense when someone would come in 10 minutes late and see someone in their seat and they yeah. would kind of be like but that's where I always sit and you're like no no but that's the whole point just chill out like we're hot desking but yeah so in terms we went on a massive tangent but after the St John's ambulance then you moved to WAM moved to WAM yeah okay and at that point was it a very conscious decision that I want to be in the mental health space I've learned all these life skills and I just want to put myself there or were you headhunted or were you just seeking any jobs that felt like it was an event situation what yeah it's just really like for me if I'm going to work for a cause it's got to mean something to me yeah 
And this topic, mental health, this cause, is everybody's business yeah. and we all need to be educated on it. And I think the more of us that understand mental health, the more we'll break down stigma and the more we'll actually be more um, empathetic to each other. Yes. And be like, no offence to all the pet cat lovers out there, Liv, you're one of them, but like, <laughs> I couldn't wait for the RSPCA, like... What are you going to say at the back of this? No, 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 no. No offence to cat lovers. No, 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 like, I couldn't wait for the RSPCA, because yes, pets are great, but I don't have one, I'm not someone who's been brought up with, you know, five dogs, three oh, fudgies. okay. Like, I need a cause that I believe That's not in. too offensive. No, you're right. no, 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 <laughs> But that's why, because I'm so passionate about mental health. Yes. Um, I think I can add value, you know, yeah. like... And if that means that I can also bring my my team value, so our team value, from that job, well, isn't it totally worthwhile? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, and I completely agree, that everyone's business, mental health is everyone's business, regardless of if you have awareness of mental health struggles or if you feel like you've breezed through life, someone you know is going to have some mental health One in five people in Australia. And yeah. that's just the documented ones. Yeah. Mental health, I've just finished a mural on the side of the Swan Rowing Club at Canning Bridge and I worked with youth, so there's about 20 of them invited to come and do a workshop that I run around what mental health looked like for them, depression and suicide, but then resilience and coming mm-hmm. through it. The mural, I, I had a lot of hoops to jump through and I had to tick boxes, it had to include boats and nature and the, the location, it had to look good, so it couldn't just be this dark, depressive mural. Anyway... One of the main features is there's clouds starting dark, going through to light clouds. Every cloud has a silver lining. I've always liked that phrase. The lines, the physical silver lining lines, come off and they all intertwine and there's 20 of them. And each one represents the emotional journey, the ebbs and flows of a person's emotional experience from birth to their current point. So they actually, nobody knows this, but that doesn't matter. I know it and the participants know it. They, they drew their chart, so they draw their li- drew their line from birth yeah. to the present day. And The thing is, I know what the mural looks like. Yeah. So I'm totally visualising so it now, and it makes sense yeah. Go check it out, guys, Counting, counting Highway. It is amazing, it is amazing. But what is so blindingly obvious is that even if your line just goes up and down a fraction, you're going to experience moments of highs that are higher than the moments of lows. Mm-hmm. And nobody goes through, you hope, touch wood, that no one has to experience depressive lows that lead them to think the suicidal thoughts. You also don't want the mania of an extraordinary high that you know is un- unmanageable. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if you don't experience any emotion, you're not actually a human, you're not living, you're not experiencing life. You're probably in a coma. So with that, and please don't feel pressured to share too much, but can you recognise times in your life where you've had what you would consider a challenging emotional or mental health episode? Or do you just think, I don't, I don't actually need to draw on that for my work? There's kind of two points to this question. First of all, have you had any personal experience with really challenging mental health issues? And if not, obviously that didn't hold you back from thinking that you could add value to this, mm-hmm. this job. Yeah, um, I guess must be more than ten years ago now. I had a car accident after a serious um, relationship breakup, and I really spiraled into some anxiety. Do you think the car accident was due to you in a in a troubled mental state? So you were no, you were erratic, just just totally different. Um, no, no, they, I was um, 
I was rear-ended on the freeway. Okay. So, so, so I, it wasn't my fault. Not connected. No. You weren't. You didn't drive yourself off yeah. the road because you no, were no, the no, breaker. No. But no. I was already having a rough time, and sure. then yep. that accident triggered me. And you know, when you get into that phase of why me, why is this happening to yep. me? Yeah, victim mentality. Um, absolutely, the most dangerous. Um, I think mentality to keep people in a mental yeah. low mental health spiral. Yeah, and that was the first time I ever experienced. I think physical trauma. Um, and I and it still happens now. If I ever feel anxious, I get this really fuzzy pain in my neck. It's it's a really hard pain to explain, but it's um, you know the the book the body keeps the score. It's tri- it's trauma in the body. Yeah. Um, but at least from having that experience and knowing what I had to do to get myself out of it, which was you know go and talk to a professional, go and talk to a doctor. Um, tricks for me to manage that anxiety has definitely made my job so much better. I mean, an example I guess of how my life skills have added value to my job is when I work for St John Ambulance, um, obviously that job is super, super traumatic for paramedics. And we'd always get told time and time again by the business, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling unwell, go and talk to someone. And I'd look around and I'd be like, well, why would you go talk to the wellness team? Because no one trusts them if they work for HR. Yeah. But there's got to be someone that's got to be safe to talk to, right? I took that story when I went to WAM and um, we formed the Green Ribbon Campaign. Mm-hmm. So basically, we sell ribbons for $1 at our workplace. Mm-hmm. And they're not a fundraiser because they're not a, like, you know, a dollar. What's a dollar? Yeah. What's life worth? But those ribbons are to say, if you're in a workplace and you've got mental health first aid training or you're a mental health work champion or you're willing to have a conversation about mental health, wear one of these ribbons so someone who is feeling crappy and is feeling down knows that you're a safe, pers- safe person to talk to. Yeah, wow. Because why not? Why not be visual? Why not make it easier for you to find yes. someone? In three years, we've sold or we've distributed 80,000 ribbons. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Because often, um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but someone that, uh, yes, the school nurse. Say, you don't want to, as a kid, go to the school nurse because everyone who sees you walk into the school nurse thinks, oh, there's something wrong with you. Like yeah. you, you when something is so delicate and so personal and so private, often... You don't want to be going to chat to that person kind of where everyone can see you. Yeah. So it's a fantastic, because I had that when I was wellness specialist with Tatarang, Mindaroo, like people knew my role. So people would often message me on Teams or email me and say, Liv, I really need a chat right now. Right now I'm in crisis. Right now it's panic stations, triage. I had a lady, she had a panic attack in my arms. She'd never had one before, but yeah, I could wow. recognise what it was. She emailed me, she said, I really need to chat, do you have a minute this week? And I was like, oof, she needs help. Walked over to her desk, panic attack. But she, and I said, you could have come and seen me early. She said, I know, but you're in the middle, talking about open plan. Yeah. You know, I was in the middle of the room, just chatting to everyone, and she felt like she couldn't come in because she didn't want to make scenes. So that yeah. is, what a stunning concept. That's yeah. amazing. It was just... You know, like, we just kept getting told, talk to someone. I was like, but who's a safe person? Yeah. We've got to make it easy to recognise who's safe. Yeah. And I hope that that reflects in other parts of my life. Like, yes, I'm a safe person. You can talk to me. Yeah. I do believe that people who feel confident, comfortable, and qualified to talk on mental health just attract people that need to speak. So I've worked as a massage therapist, a personal trainer, as a life coach, now a mental health advocate and an art therapist. I can be on the bus or on the golf course or just even walking down the street and someone within seconds will tell me something. I'm so used to it now, but they'll say something like, oh, I've, I've just cheated on my wife or I don't know what to do or I, I, my brother needs a kidney and I'm not sure. And you think, 
oh my god, like I just don't know anyone. But it happens to me there as well. is such power in talking to someone who is impartial, not in the situation. Absolutely. Because so many people when they there's no judgment telling yes. a stranger, right? Yes, and obviously there's horrific examples. Even Twitch this week, um, Stephen, I've forgotten his surname. He was a dancer for Ellen. He took his oh, life. Oh yes, he did. Yes, and so sad. People are like, why didn't you tell his family? And why didn't you? It's because you don't want to have to open up. You don't want to burden someone. No, you don't want to burden someone, but also someone who's so close to you. It's so hard. Which, so that's why I always said that I was a therapist. I was actually a massage therapist for eight years, but I knew people weren't really coming for a massage. I reckon one in five came for a remedial sports massage. Mm -hmm. Four in five came for a chat. Yeah. And they would, it was sense. a lovely disguise and it enabled people. And I would always say, look, please don't feel you need to open up if you don't want to. Before you know it, we're talking about their biggest issues. And, yeah. and we'd never afterwards talk about it but i always felt really good that they had someone to chat to yeah i get it in ubers yes yeah you say like what are you doing oh I'm just, i've got to go to an event i'm going to an event i'm going to run yeah event. oh what's your event oh it's the w mental health awards oh hey you know and they start telling me their life story yeah. and i'm like okay we well, can get some support here you can reach out here and it's like you just don't expect it yeah. and it just comes at you and I, so i totally understand yeah. where you're coming from. we must all have like these invisible green yeah. ribbons that are just flopping off it like one on our foreheads or something but now i used to be quite intimidated confused and a bit daunted by that because i felt i was not a psychologist i've never done a psych degree i've had oodles of life experience but i i kind of felt well this is a bit strange i'm too young or i'm it's not appropriate but now i just think you know what if that's going to lighten that person's load, it's not going to affect me. I can just let it go. Yeah. It's fine. I, I find with someone, um, particularly, like, so I get these conversations of random people that like mm -hmm. Ubers. But then when we're talking to, you know, the team, if I'm talking to someone in the team, if I'm talking to someone at work, if I'm talking to someone in my friend's group, I always just say, when someone discloses something to me, thank you for telling me. Mm -hmm. Because that gives that person some security and safety that they're being heard, they're being listened, they're being validated. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with me. Like, that is such a powerful message. Yeah. And I think when you say that, this person goes, this is a safe space. Yeah. And they'll start to tell you more and you can find a way to help them. And it also encourages vulnerability. Like, Brené Brown obviously became famous for, like, for recognising how important it is to be vulnerable and to own your struggles. And it encourages, hopefully, then that person to tell someone who is close to them in their circle and then that person might feel inspired to open up and so on and so on. It creates this positive kind of vulnerability kind of chain of events yeah. where people go, oh, I can actually talk and I yeah. can. And often I have been told that I share too much, mostly my mum, sorry mum, she's like, oh, sweetheart, can you stop being so personal? <laughs> and I was like, no, actually no, because I see so much value in, obviously you don't need to do like gross graphic details about intricate personal stuff, but the more I can be open, I, I genuinely believe that it will encourage others yeah. to, to open up as yeah. well. Um, wow, where to go from here? That's, yeah. So in terms, oh, I had a good point then and I've totally lost it. It'll come back to me. So in terms of your mental health work with WAM, you're still doing events or are you more promoting talking and having conversations around mental health or what's your vision for ongoing with them? <sighs> we, well, we're in the plan, process of planning 2023. So um, 
it, it is definitely about prevention and promotion. And I know what we're doing is working um, yeah. because every year after Mental Health Week, we get messages from people asking for support via our Facebook page or whatever. They might not never have thought about engaging with Lifeline, but this could be their step to talk to Lifeline or another support service. Um, so, yeah, it's very much about prevention and breaking down stigma. That's, that's where we want to go. There's still so much stigma when it comes to mental health. You know, yes. like people don't want to share because they don't want to be judged. They don't, they're, they're scared, they're frightened. It's a, people think they're weak or they're failing. But yeah. there's no failure in being honest. I have to, from a personal experience, I was on sertraline. So I took an antidepressant drug for over 10 years, mm-hmm. I think. So came out of hospital and even though I was physically kind of on the mend, a lot of anxiety and depression still. Yep. And I hated, I hated being, you know, the stigma of having to have a pill for my mental health yep. and my brain. Yep. And yet the doctors parents would say well if you break your leg you like put health. it you put it in a cast and you take painkillers like it is no different yeah. so we do need to not normalize it but just treat it like it's a panel it's not a choice yeah. like you're not choosing to have issues with your emotions with your mental health with anxiety with fear with depression it's not a choice if it was a choice it means you weren't ill yeah. it's, it's just as prevalent or dangerous as a, a brain cancer yeah okay. so we have to we just have to stop with the i know people still think it's a weakness mm. but one thing that we are not taught in school we are and that's one of the roles i i'm trying to take on and and create more awareness we're not taught mental health we're not taught resilience we're not taught we possibly are now but when i was at school we did not have a class mental health we had a phys ed class so we taught physical health and yeah. strength like how do you become physically strong and an athlete and then obviously you have your english and your maths and whatever why when we all have a brain and we all experience emotions and we all experience hardships and challenges in life why the fuck aren't we taught mental health yeah i honestly believe it should be on the curriculum of every primary school every secondary school and every workforce yeah it's a no-brainer to yeah. me, excuse the pun. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I think things are changing now. Um, I mean, I don't know, there was a report that came out, or an article that was published, like, last week by Seek.com, and it was, like, the top five things that employees want. And yeah. one of those five things was mental health support. Mm-hmm. So at least, you know, we're at that point now with the research that a company like Seek are doing is saying that, that mental health should be on the agenda. Yeah. I think schools are much better at it. Oh, there's still stigma though around the name of it because I've approached various schools to offer life coaching, mental health resilience workshops and under the umbrella of both art therapy and mental health awareness and I've been accepted by Aquinas and Abercross, worked there for over a year now but can we just change the name Liv? Is that okay? Because I don't know, it's a bit, do we want to call it art therapy? Do we want to call it art, you know, mental health? Yeah, we do, because that's what it is. Like they, but they can't. They can't. so it's creative growth. Yeah. Applecross, and it's just because uh, uh, Aquinas, and then um, RX because it's an Applecross. So let's just call it RX. I'm like, well, what's that? You know? Yeah, that like, doesn't actually explain what it is. It doesn't explain what it is, but there's still this weird stigma around. And I've worked at PLC on and off as a subcontractor, and I'm absolutely going to name drop them now for a negative reason because me, they annoy me. I've every year they've had three different headmistresses since I've been there, and every year over the last ten years, 
I said, look, I have extensive experience in anorexia, eating disorders, suicide, idealizations, depression, anxiety. Please let me talk to your girls. Please let me run a little workshop or a club. Or I went, when I went to school, I went to the art room every lunch break and I wasn't allowed to be creative until I ate my sandwich. Sorry, Miss Jukes, it's probably still crumbs of biscuits in the paint pot and like sandwich bits in the glue, whatever. <laughs> I did well to hide it all, but they, I went to PLC every year. Oh no, no, we're fine. No, no, we, we have school council. We don't, we have no issues here. Thank you so much, but we, we're fine. No, you're not. Like mm. every single year group in every single school has at least one child, and that's too many in my book, yeah. that is either cutting, bulimic, self-harming, whatever anxious like oh yeah. I get so passionate about it yeah me too so so passionate yeah me too but that's why we do what we do right absolutely why we do what we do yeah and that's what I said at the start if we can change one person's life even by having this conversation today where someone reaches out and talks to well hopefully the headmistress of PLC who's currently she's the fourth one yes. the new one she'll go you know what maybe let's get you in <laughs> yeah. yeah one conversation you know could could make someone last better, isn't it worth having a conversation? Yeah. If, like listening to us today or whatever someone else decides to do. Yeah. I'd much rather someone listen to us and reach out to us than reach out to, to grab something to self-harm. Yeah. So. And I think there's merit in recognising that you don't have to be, oh my God, awful if this is the case, but you don't have to be stood on a, a bridge wanting to jump off. You don't have to be having three panic attacks a day. You don't have to be having cutting yourself for years on end and being quite raw here and quite to the point but if you are crying sporadically or if you're just feeling a little bit lonely or if you're just feeling overstressed and you can't figure out why or it doesn't have to be so huge for you to then talk about it it can be as small as so I'm not going to name who but there's someone in my life who I care for deeply who's just got way too much on their plate and I suggested, why don't you just tell everyone of importance in your life, just say, I'm a little bit overwhelmed and I just need to have some time away. So I'm actually going to politely decline your Christmas invitation. I'm also going to say that I don't want to be traveling as much for work. And please accept that this Christmas I'm just going to take a back seat and have a bit more time on my own. Like That's, that's okay. And it's so valuable it's so empowering it's so important because if that person hadn't sent those messages which i'm super proud that they have they would carry on carry on carry on to breaking point and actually have a mental breakdown yeah and it's so freeing and that this person's like oh my god why haven't i done that sooner and but i think it's recognizing i suspect more people than not live in a general state of stress a general state of anxiety and it's kind of a, a cultural norm to be overtired or wired or having and this isn't a judgment on people that drink but you know needing a a bottle of wine every night to send themselves to sleep or feeling like they you know have to overtrain because otherwise that whatever it might be but I think it's become unhealthy what is normal these days quote unquote like I think it's just recognizing for you and this is the absolute running thread through all of my episodes, self-awareness. Absolutely. Think back to your absolute happiest time, when you were content, when you had joy in your life, compare it to the present, and just say, am I as happy, am I as relaxed, am I as healthy, am I getting enough sleep, do I feel so good in my mental health? If not, 
okay, what are some simple things that I can put in that were the case back in the day when I felt my absolute happiest? Mm-hmm. And there's so many strategies. So many. So many yeah. strategies. Yeah. But it starts with self-awareness. You have to take the time just to ask yourself, what am I not doing now that I used to do? Maybe it's playing the flute. Maybe it's bird watching. Maybe it was volunteering at the dog shelter. Okay, what can I give up just for one hour a week to put that activity into my life? It doesn't have to be life-changing. I think people get so dramatic, especially this time of year, New Year's, New Year's resolution. Right, that's it. Fuck it. I'm eating salad for the next month. I'm going to work out <laughs> five times a week. I'm never going to see my toxic ex. I'm. It's like... Stop! Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Don't be so ridiculous. Small manageable chunks. Small yes. manageable goals. And then Simple we, strategies. Yes, because once you can master the small manageable, then you can introduce another one. And then you can, because even the act of setting yourself positive changes can be too much pressure. Yeah. It can be too much expectation, too much anxiety. And then, of course, you can't achieve it. And then you're back to square one of beating yourself up, feeling like a failure, feeling like the worst person on the planet. So this is another chance for me to get to know you, but what would you say is your, it doesn't have to be a secret, but something that you do that you know is just so good for your mental health and your well-being? Jungle body. Jungle body. It's Tell us what so easy to answer. I tell the girls all the time. So um, I started going to, for in when we were going to Singapore and had a positive I followed the two, one of the ladies on that. They're a, they've just got engaged and she was in a wheelchair. I don't know her name. Oh, yes. But, God, they're Ash. a hot couple. And they promote, like, sex and stuff. They're fascinating. Ash and Rosie. Yes. Yes. So, um, Jungle Body's a fitness class. So, I joined Jungle Body in 2018 before we won our Singapore across tour, which I just want to give a mention to. We won. We won the Singapore Open. <laughs> um, Liv got best player of the tournament just to... I mean, Chantal, there were only five, five teams that we were, like, even you not that tall, were double the height of all the players. They still won it. <laughs> it was fun. It was such it was a awesome. fun time. So I wanted to get fit for that tournament. So I thought if I'm going to up my cardio, I'm going to up my strength, I'm going to join Jungle Body. So I started going three or four times a week, got really fit. It was great for Singapore, all worked out. And then I realised that I, even after, I haven't been going to class a lot lately. Um, I've torn my meniscus, so I'm just excited to get back to class. I wish I could bottle the feeling that I have after Jungle Body every week yeah. and sprinkle it on myself when I'm feeling crap and sprinkle on anyone around me. It sounds so ridiculous, but sprinkle on someone else when they're feeling the same. It's in like Zumba, but on steroids, like better. It's like a mix between Zumba, hip hop. It's it's like an aerobic workout. Can so I come? Can we do a class together soon? Absolutely. I'm going tomorrow night. <gasps> Six o'clock. Oh, oh my night. gosh. Can I come? Yes. Because I... I haven't really told anyone this, but I used to be a dancer and I performed in Birmingham at the Hippodrome and it was a hip-hop bangra mash and I'm fair, I've got a beat, I've yeah. got rhythm, it's good. I love it, I love yeah. dancing so much. And so yeah. like there's squat tracks, there's arm tracks, there's um, abs tracks, you know like it's all different kinds of workout, there's some cardio, there's some, what's not the opposite of cardio? Endurance? Yes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm asking you as the big But for me, that's what keeps me, like, it's the best feeling. It's, it's yeah. so good for mental health. And, you know, like, I tell the girls all the time, I always comment on their Facebook pages. Yeah. You know, this, you guys have got it right. And their whole message, like, so, yeah, they're a fitness company, but so much what they do and promote is about mental health. Yeah. I think it's really important if you are listening to this and you have maybe had a month 
obviously people have stressful times and there's adverse situations that happen in life but if you've had a month or more of not having that feeling that you want to sprinkle over yourself after whatever it is that you know that makes you feel incredible maybe go and seek it out yeah. so we can get complacent or we it becomes our norm it becomes our our everyday feeling but you can be two three months into a bit melancholy a bit kind of like me not really firing on cylinders and you don't even know it yeah. because that's become your normal state but yeah. I'm the same with skateboarding and even golf I know whatever judge me sad or something but this morning I went and played golf with they're all retired lovely old ladies I just <laughs> rock up and play with whoever they were such a hoot they were so cute and couldn't hit a ball for shit but it didn't matter it was so fun and then you pop that you know you might get a par or you might do an amazing little part or something it's just that oh yay you like feel alive in nature so it's fine it, whatever it is for you yeah if you're listening to this and you haven't done it in the last month find something that creates that feeling and often i've had people go but i don't know my thing i've never really felt that much joy or excitement lucky you in a way because you can experiment. Yeah, go and try There's it. no limit on how many thing, new things you can try. Like, I'm all about trying new experiences. I freaking love the variety of life. Yeah, I've got a friend so like that too. So do, do 20, 30, 40 things. Like, just go and give it a go. If You're not going to lose anything by not feeling this immense high or this joy or this excitement because you started at a point of not feeling elated in the first place. So mm. if anything, you'll meet some lovely new people. You'll be able to tick it off your list as, no, not really for me, but whatever. But I tried. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. Oh, there's so much fun to be had in life. There's yeah. so many different yeah. extraordinary adventures. Yeah. So just thinking like about that um, from a mental health perspective. So I was reading a book the other day by Sam Frost. So I don't know if you've everyone knows Sam Frost was the bachelorette on Home and Away. I've met Sam. Is he That's well, a chick. It's a woman. She's oh, a bachelor. no, I have not met Sam. Sorry. <laughs> she's amazing at the East Coast. <laughs> what am I chatting about, Liv? Anyway, she's written a book. It's called Believes. Um, I've just started reading it just to... Because all these people put out all these mental health books. So I just want to understand their stories. But she talks about her own mental health journey. And this is one thing that I think... She talks about choosing your heart. So um, if you're having a mental health challenge or experiencing one, it took, like... So, you know when you're having a crappy day and you just want to lay in bed all day and I've not had that but yes but you know choosing your heart so it's it's hard to lay in bed all day and feel crappy it's hard to get up and get dressed and go out yes and go yeah. for a run yeah but choose the hardest that's better for you yes oh my god it was one of the best messages I've ever seen and I didn't know if this woman knew anything about mental yes. health but I've read her book and I've taken so much away yes. from her I um, have that written on the bottom of my skateboard is think of the growth. Yeah. Because, yeah, I can bail out, and I have bailed out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times trying a new drop-in or trying a new trick or trying to do something. But it's that time that I try it. It's equally as hard. It's probably harder mm -hmm. to do. It's actually way harder to just commit and do it. But the growth, the feeling of accomplishment, achievement, the buzz, the high yeah. from doing the, the harder option that is probably going to cause an injury if I mess it up and get it wrong yeah oh I love that I've never yeah. heard that before. really really yeah so you, like it's hard to lay in bed and feel sad and, yeah and do those things it's hard to get up and have your day yeah but choose the hard that's best for you yeah and I just thought what an incredible message 
Yes. That one really stuck with me. That's so good. Um, yeah. There's also one, Ned Brockman, who I'm not sure if you've heard of I've him. Heard of him yeah. So he, he ran. I can't, oh, the guy that ran across the country. Ran from Cottesloe Beach, yeah. for those in WA, that's in Cottesloe um, Beach, to Bondi Beach. Yeah. So ran across Australia. So that's something like 45 marathons, back to back, every day. Yeah. So for 45 days. He lost the function of his tibialis anterior, which is a muscle in the front of your leg. So his shin, essentially, the muscle on the top of that stopped working. So he had to fly back, get a spring put on his ankle so that he could physically take a step so his ankle could bend. Yeah. Agony, absolute extraordinary pain, but he did it. He raised th- over uh, $3 million dollars for homelessness. But one out of all of that, I mean, that's just extraordinary and superhuman, but one takeaway, he says get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And that's something I can really relate to because sometimes when you've had an extraordinary life experience where you've really struggled with immense lows or immense highs, so often ex-athletes experience this as well, but if you've had a heightened sense of living or experience, so you've been to the Olympics or you've near-death experience, when you get to a point where life is kind of simple and there aren't those extremes, it can be as daunting and challenging and this is something I've really struggled with in the last few years I haven't really admitted this to anybody but because life is quite cruisy I don't feel very alive so because I nearly died on a number of occasions because I kept myself to a very strict punishing schedule and over exercising starving myself it was a lot of drama life was full of drama for over 10 years I don't have much drama in life. So I'm a, a, my therapist has said or many times, you're a drama addict, you need drama. And I'm trying to find the drama and excitement in a healthy way. But feeling comfortable, to me, is one of the most agonising feelings. I hate feeling comfortable. <laughs> Some people thrive off it yeah. because they don't have anything, they don't have a comparison, they don't know what it is to feel alive. Mm-hmm. But finding a discomfort in a healthy way, personally, I think is really important. Yeah. Because it makes you feel more alive. Yeah. And you're challenging yourself. And challenging. And obviously, when you challenge yourself, you're going to grow. You cannot challenge yourself and stay still and yeah. remain the same person. So no matter how small your challenge, taking, taking a new hobby or trying something or going up to a hottie in a bar and going, you know what, I'm going to challenge myself to talk to them first. And then she's you're going to grow. There's going to be always a positive step from that. Hopefully, if they're nice or, you know, whatever. But, yes, a challenge. You can try and talk yourself out of it, and I'm sure many people will, but there's no value in talking yourself out from a challenge because there's no growth. No, absolutely not. You just stay the same. I'm just looking at some notes. I don't want to that conversation. Have Have we covered everything you wanted to? Yeah, I think, um, I guess the only thing that I really wanted to say today is just be kind and care about others. Oh my gosh, yes. Like that's, out of everything that I learned about mental health, how easy is it to check in on someone and just say, are you okay? How easy is it to send a text message? Yeah. And and you know what, sometimes people might not tell you that they're not doing so well. Yeah. But just ask. Like, yeah. Because that one time they might say, yeah. Yeah. And it's human need to feel seen, valued, and to be important and matter. So as a caveman or back in Neanderthal times, we all needed to be a part of a tribe. So mm. it's within our DNA 
our cellular level we need to feel a part of a tribe. So when someone checks in, it's not just being kind, it's actually speaking to a fundamental need of being a human being, and that is belonging. Yeah. But also on being kind, which I cannot second enough because on the way here I saw a wall that I have permission to paint on it's a huge hanger and I thought oh I just can't think what to paint on it and I've had this opportunity for a year and I sway from like a giant whale or a big smiley face or and today I thought I could just write be kind in massive letters like yeah. 40 foot letters but with that I hope people think be kind to yourself first and foremost yeah we are, fill your own cup yes Fill your own cup because, I mean, the analogy is perfect. If you have nothing in your cup left, if you have a gaping hole in the bottom of your cup, the next person, next time someone tries to come and take something from your cup, it's just going to add more stress, anxiety, more pressure. Like, you cannot give anything from your cup if there's a hole in it. Yeah. So first you have to have self-awareness and figure out what's going to fill my hole. What's What can I plug up my hole with at the bottom of my cup? Is that reaching out to friends? Is that starting a new hobby? Is that taking more time for myself? Is that going on holiday? Is that quitting my stressful job? Whatever's going to be your plug. You need to figure that out first. Then you need to do all your fun hobbies and activities. Surround yourself with beautiful people because the people we spend, I know this is a very used quote, but the five people we spend most time with are basically going to influence you. I'm not saying this succinctly, but... You are the product of the five people you spend most time with. So yeah. do not surround yourself with negative people, people that take your energy, toxic people, people that don't add value, you know, not monetary value, but think very carefully about the people you spend time with. Do these things, fill your cup, then you can give. Yeah. My mum went away, and I've said this before, she left the, to Australia actually from the UK she went away for two weeks when I was 11 and my sisters were 12 so I've got twin sisters and Lucy and Emma my sisters were outraged they were like I can't believe you abandoned her and I've always been an old soul and I said to them just listen to what you're saying and think about mum has never had a holiday or a day off from being a mum in 12 years 12 years she has given consistently yeah. of her energy, her time, her effort, her money, her resources, her emotions, 12 years to three children. I think it's about time she had two weeks to herself. And then, of course, when she came back, by going on holiday, that was a service to us, her kids. Yeah, because she, she was rejuvenated. So all these guilty mums, oh my gosh, the guilty mum syndrome is just... I want to shake mums because what they don't realise is that by not taking time for themselves, they're doing a disservice to their kids. Mm -hmm. By not looking after their own well-being, mental health and, you know, just general health in, in general, they are actually taking away from their ability to be the best mum that they can be. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, people need to be kind to themselves first. Yeah. And then you have far more to be able to then be kind to other yeah. people. I think, like we talked about it earlier, you and I, people tell us stuff, people disclose challenges or just want to talk to us, whether that be friends, family or strangers. But that's why it's so important for us as humans to fill our cups so yes. we can be that support. And I do that by sitting on my own and going to play golf by myself or doing holidays on my own. Yeah. And you do that by surrounding yourself with energy and people. Yeah. 
doing your dancing class and yeah so if you're going to juggle what you'll see why it suits me as the yes. extrovert <laughs> you'll get it yeah you'll get and it. I'll do it and I'll love it and then I'll go home and have the evening <laughs> on my own and, uh, quite I'm going to lie down on my shakti mat and do a meditation yeah yeah no even the cats have too much too much energy sometimes um, yeah Cool. Thank you so much. No, I think there's lots of incredible things to take away from that conversation. Most of all, self-awareness as always. Check in on other people, but make sure you, that you've put yourself in a in a good place first. And small steps. I think there can be a lot of inspiration taken from people when they share wisdom or they give insight or they're vulnerable. It can be quite inspiring, but then people can sometimes go, cool, okay, right, that's it. I'm changing everything. I'm going to, I'm yeah. just going to, this is a small, slow, steady process. Because yeah. somebody else has, has revealed that they've, they're really struggling and they've done all these things, gone to the beach, done their meditation, done their little stretch, taking time for themselves, let go of a couple of commitments they had so they feel, and then they text me today saying, but I still feel really on edge. Well, unfortunately, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. If yeah. you've been carrying stress, and if you imagine like Santa Claus with their sack, and all of the, the presents is just like little bundles of stress and anxiety and fear and whatever, if you've been carrying that for years, you can't just drop it all in what you have to go off and deliver, put it down this hole and then put it down that chimney and put it go to the next place and offload and off and it takes time it's not like magic it isn't like actually there's a terrible analogy because it's not like santa claus you can just santa is magic. offload overnight like done plus you also don't want to put negativity down people's chimneys let's move on from this <laughs> analogy but if you've been spending 10 years picking shit up and picking up habits and picking up mental health bad beliefs or limiting beliefs it's going to take probably, unfortunately, as long to let those go. Yep. One at a time. One at a time. It's going to be up and down like the mural. It's not going to be an easy road, but you've just got to believe and trust. Hopefully, by this conversation, you can see two people who can absolutely shout from the rooftops that it's worth overcoming the challenges, facing them, and building. Just little challenges one yeah. step at a time. Surrounding yourself with good people. Because life's pretty good when you when you get to yeah. a, a clear head. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. We're both smiling. You can't see that. It's a podcast. Yeah, we are looking at each other like, oh, Lee. <laughs> we'll get out now. Sweaty hug. Alrighty. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, if you have any questions, please send them through. And share this one. I think this could be really valuable. Maybe a nice little gift yep. for people just, at this time. I might even give one more plug. Oh, please. Um, if you do want some tips on taking care of your mind, body, environment, um, this year's Mental Health Week theme was Mind, Body, Environment. So there is some fact sheets and information on the website, mentalhealthweek.org.au. Say that slow, please. One more time. Mental... Mentalhealthweek.org.au. Thank you so much. Um, and, yeah, jump on there, have a look. There's heaps of resources, heaps of ways to get your mind, body and spirit and environment to a place that's good for you. Perfect. Merry Christmas, everyone. See you, everyone. Bye.